And now a message from our sponsor. Hey everybody, it's Bootleg Captain, Captain Bootlegs here. Yeah. If you're like me, I bet you're enjoying this Toys, Toys on, on Tap, Tap podcast. I am enjoying it, it's very nice. But did you know you can enjoy it more just by joining that Patreon? Oh, I did not know that. There are so many cool perks available on the Patreon for you. There's and also and Wow, that's really a lot of stuff if you ask Bootleg Captain. Captain I don't bootleg. understand. There were noises I couldn't hear with the person. So join today to support Toys on Tap podcast and Bootleg Art Toys. But if you're not in a position to join the Patreon, head on over to Apple iTunes and review and subscribe. That helps out the channel as well. Okay, I'll go rate it, I guess. And remember, listen to Toys, Toys on, on Tap. Captain Bootleg, the bootleg captain sent you. Why does he keep referring to himself in the third Can person? I stop with the stupid voice now? I'm not sure why you made me want to sound like a pirate. Oh, so that was a fake voice. Oh, yucko! I didn't realize it was just pretend voice. Oh, okay. Hey, what's up? What's up? You're coming in to save the day and save my ass, man. Am I? Yeah, you know, every once in a while, every once in a while, someone comes on their schedule with me and then they back out last minute. And it's like, yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a, I can imagine. But luckily, like, I have this list, like I, I have a, a list of artists that I'm ready to reach out to at all times. Awesome, you, yeah. You were next on that list, bro. Oh, thanks. It's been a while since I've last seen your face. Like, yeah, not exactly face-to-face, -face, but kind of like in a meeting. Yeah, I and... think, um, man, probably 2020. Because I remember... Probably, I bought one of those, which it's on my shelf right now. I bought a Droid yeah. Lorian. Yeah, you did. It was, if I'm not mistaken, it was Captain Captain Laurels. How the hell do you remember that two years ago? Dude, because I haven't had uh, that many drops as most makers did, mm -hmm. and I think since my runs are are smaller than usual, I I tend to remember the names and. Since I, for those Droid Deloreans, I had the the whole work of like creating a small backstory. I can't remember the backstory, mm -hmm. but I remember I was planning on dropping them, and then like um, maybe two months after that, I tried to drop the Cosmo Wanderer, but that didn't go as planned. So I I only made like four of those. I yeah, think. and it didn't. It just didn't work. But Dude, I remember I, that I gave like specific names for Dreadlorians. Yours was was like a specific one. Then I had other three that I think were black, and they were like the goons for that captain. Yeah, and other like one-offs. It was tough because I like uh, I, I early toy like stuff. I was really tempted to like oh I'll snatch up all of the ones that you had. Like I'll just buy them all. But um, I saw the one and what entices me. So like you make rad toys. We're going to talk about that today. Thanks. But the sure. what really entices me about it is you used something that wasn't toy material. It was just a, like a wood for the peg leg. Yeah, that specific one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so I immediately was like, oh, that's the one because it stuck out like it feels different than a normal toy. I think it does. Uh I, I remember that I did a similar thing, but it wasn't like I, I didn't promote it too much because it was for a friend. But the first figure I casted, if if you remember, it was a, an R2D2. 
It wasn't mm-hmm. even articulated, but it was like just a plain figurine, actually, not even a figure. Mm-hmm. But on the um, one of the f- like latest figures I would pull, f- pull from the modes, I got it in a bright red resin. Mm-hmm. And I also stuck a popsicle stick, like wooden popsicle stick inside, and I made it like a popsicle. Yeah. So I was a little bit experimenting with wood back then. Which is, yeah, the any time we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Go ahead before we get further. Introduce yourself. Tell us where you're calling in from and we'll start. Right. All right. So greetings from Sao Paulo, Brazil. I'm Pedro from Pocket Tyco. And yeah, I'm happy to be here. Happy to talk to us. Um, I've been crafting for a little over two years now because I started during the pandemic, like the toughest months which were on march i think i started back on may or june 2020 yeah yeah it's it's a cool thing um to be a part of that wave because i'm also in there we all started 2020 and um what is cool is that we've already come like we're we're approaching three years Mm -hmm. um and there have already been people that have dropped off like there's already people that don't make toys anymore. And so it's really cool that we yeah. like there's like I can look at you and be like, oh no, you still make toys. Let's do this. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's the difficult thing because um I remember that when I started my work, I was to be honest, in 2020, I was still an intern at my my previous job. Mm-hmm. So like work wasn't as intense or People actually, they didn't actually know what to do at home. Like, um, work working from home is totally different experience. I'm a graphic designer, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, I graduate graduated from that, and I work with that till the day. But it was like this misty, dark period where people didn't know how to behave or or what to do. And I think that was like one of the key things for me to make the toys as much as i made them back in 2020 right now i haven't been able to to cast and produce as much as i'd like to Mm -hmm. but like ideas are always coming inside my head especially since i i keep contact with other people you sometimes yeah but like there's the 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 select bunch that i talk to on like a weekly basis yeah and that's just a great input for for inspiration, basically. Yeah. And you what's so I have to say, like when people call in from other countries, they usually will send me a message that's like, hey, my English is a little broken, or hey, like I'm a little nervous. But mm-hmm. you don't. Did you grow up in Brazil? Like Yeah, I did all my life. Yeah. Yeah. In the same and so, city, by the way. I like can you explain that to me? Like, how is your English that good? Is it so? It's so good. It's so good. That's actually like when I talk to other people, the the most um how can I say it? Like usually the people I talk to in English are from either USA or Canada, right? Yeah. And when I actually talk to them like voice um calls or, or video calls, yeah. I sometimes get that feeling that I have to explain myself or 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 get me that disclosure yeah. before before speaking that 
I might make like some mistakes or do not at all wrong on the goal but they usually say no you're fine you're fine and you're like one of the first persons to ever tell me that my english is actually really good yeah so like you. dude at, to the point where it was when you started talking because i remember us being on those videos uh early right. on uh -huh. but like um you seemed more of like the serious type and you you didn't talk as much <laughs> was too many people yeah yeah but now like it was you as you started talking just now they're like it was shocking but like yeah i'm stoked it's your english is incredible it's great thanks but just um finishing up your question i grew up in brazil like i spent like i've spent so far my life in the same city which is sao paulo mm -hmm. and it's not the capital it's just like the biggest um metropolitan center yeah if you can say that but like it's the biggest city in some in in brazil and the access to information we have is just mind-blowing because mm -hmm. like i've studied english since i was probably i'd like to say six mm -hmm. maybe seven in in high school not high school i don't know how you how to say it in english but it was like the the early stages of school mm -hmm. and i think the thing that makes me feel like more secure like more confidence about it is actually talking to the people i said i talk to on a weekly weekly or maybe daily basis because that not only enriches the vocabulary i have but also when we're talking toys we're being very specific we're being very geeky about one super specific thing yeah and when you start to add up the well, the specific words for it, you get more confidence about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's rad. So walk me back. You're in uh, Sao Paulo, which, by the way, one of my favorite tattoo artists of all time lives there. Really? He does. Yeah, he does uh, tattoos. So I'm covered. Um, right. But he does tattoos that look like patches. Patches. I'll, I'll send you his profile later. Yeah, please do. Well, I might know him by name, not personally, because I've been knowing a lot of guys from Sao Paulo, mm -hmm. but like digitally, and every now and then I'm kind of bumping into them, like on specific regions. But yeah, I might know him. It's incredible. Or... Yeah. So walk it back. You you grew up. You're born. You're raised um, in Brazil. What's the toy scene like? Do you have toys when you're a kid? What's that all like? Yeah, so I was thinking about that before entering our chat because I remember a few of other conversations you had with people I know. And like when I think about toys in my childhood, I often recall either Pokemon, mm -hmm. like the mini Gashapon ones you would get, like it would cost one real, mm -hmm. which now would be something like. Um, 20 um american cents or mm -hmm. uh, either that or did you guys have max steel yeah 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 i used to have like dozens of it because mm -hmm. i would get those used from my older cousin and it was like really fun because i really liked action figures from the start um be it max steel or mini firefighter figures from I think it was Chapmay. Chapmay? Mm -hmm. It was a Chinese company. And from a certain point in my life, I remember the first, I still have them. 
the first figures, like 3.75 inch figures from Star Wars. And I yeah. know which store I bought them because it's in my neighborhood. And it was like a C3PO. Fun fact, actually, like I had the two first Star Wars figures. It was one C3PO that had detachable limbs. Yeah. And the other one was a clone trooper from Utapau. And the C3PO is actually the base I used for the Droidalorian, which you have. Okay. So it has like an emotional value added to it. Yeah. But I think those were the toys I used I I used to have the most. Um yeah. I used to have Max Steel Pokemon and sometimes I would have like play sets. Because mm-hmm. right now I still I still own a how to how do you how do you call it? It's a Batcave from yeah. Batman. It was like I think it's a Kinder one because I was talking to One Trick Pony like ages ago, and that was one of the first things we bonded over. But it was like my favorite playset ever because it folds into a whole scenario of mm-hmm. Batcave and Wayne Manor, and I had a lot of Batman toys that were actually bootlegs from Kenner, not okay. actual Kenner Batmans. I love, so you're kind of in like a bootleg hub. I am. And so does that kind of play into the toys that you had growing up? I love, 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 love South American bootlegs so much. So I think it kind of did in not a direct manner, but it did. Because I remember having like, I was mentioning um, bootleg Kenner Batman toys, right? Mm -hmm. I remember I had a few robins that were like full on yellow without paint. <laughs> it was just yellow. Yeah. You know? And they also felt a little hollow. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't feel like the real thing. But what matters is that I used to play with it. So you have emotional value, right? Yeah. And I think that later on, when I reach out like to my mom or or uncles whatever to try to find some of those figures and actually look at them mm-hmm. they have a specific charm i don't know how yeah. to describe it but there's like a aura of mm-hmm. bootlegginess to it you know it's kind of interesting yeah for me um i get uh i'm fascinated by the ninja turtle bootlegs from mexico right now mm, I, um, I haven't heard of those yeah, like I have a bunch of I can send you a picture later. Um Bebop ones and Krang, and they're just I don't know how to describe it, but it looks like someone is just doing this as quickly as possible. Yeah, and I just know what to you're get saying. it. Yeah. yeah, and it looks like I, I okay, this is what I think I love. So when we make toys, we're making them in our house and we're trying to make them look great and then we're trying to mm-hmm. sell them. Mm-hmm. But when I get these bootlegs, it looks like someone just injection molded as quickly as possible yeah. and just did whatever they could and just dropped them off at a market. For sure. I look so good. About. Yeah. I, and so I'm like, um, I'm actually gonna start making boxes that people can buy. And just fill them with bootlegs of like a specific category from all over the world because they're so good. Yeah, that's so cool. To be honest, I was remembering I mentioned um, Pokemon miniatures, right? Yeah. And 
I remember talking to my brother about the quality of them because when I was younger, I remember getting like really good painted ones. Mm -hmm. But as time went by, those things just started popping up as like completely different colors and and yeah. some were translucent where they shouldn't be and mm -hmm. lime green like Mountain Dew colors. Mm -hmm. No, and yeah, it just feels like people were rushing, but like since you you have like a specific scenario where you where you would find them, and when you notice like, oh, there's like in Brazil we have um a lot of bakeries, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes baker most of the times, or at least back in the day, most bakeries would have those those machi machines for Pokemon balls, and the far like the far away you would go from the center of the, the city, you would find the most like wrong ones, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty, beauty of it, to be honest. Yeah. I think, but that kind of describes um, us, right? So we all start, like the closer you are to the, like the commercial toy scene, mm -hmm. you, you buy toys, like the, the better it looks. But then we get really far out when we start like resin casting these things. Yeah. And mm -hmm. sometimes they look so crazy, but it gives it that little bit of beauty and it's it's awesome. Yeah, I think there's a certain point in every maker's life that there's a bifurcation. Is that how you say like when the path divides to yeah. two opposite sides, right? Um, either you're trying to achieve almost like an industrial quality. And when I think of that, I often, often think of um, Healy Maids. Mm -hmm. And I really love Healy Maids. I have like, um, so far, three figures from him. Okay. And I really like his style. And I really like how crisp everything looks. Yeah. But on the opposite, you... We interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Meanwhile, in a galaxy of bootleg treasures... DOV2, we have engine failure! We almost crash land on DKE Toy Planet! Oh my! We're doomed! Wait! Salvation! Hooray! We're saved, DOV2! Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE Toys! Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures! DKE! also can go to a direction where you just want to experiment with the medium you're dealing with. And when I say that, I think of immediately of vomiting droids. Yeah. Cause he's like, his figures are oozing and with different colors and it kind of feels like they have organs inside and maybe yeah. bloods or different layers glued to it. And that's one thing like companies won't make those. Right. Yeah, I have, um, because I don't know what I collect, like I collect a lot of Barrio Bobas. Um, I love those, yeah. Yeah, the little homies, I collect a lot of those. Mm -hmm. But um, because I don't have like a specific thing I'm collecting, my shelf has things from vomiting droids mm -hmm. and it has like healing made right next to each other. So it's like mm -hmm. really good and really good, but very different. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so those are extremes like opposite yeah. extreme sides and sorry now i'm thinking of barrio boba because i have his cashy figures 
Oh yeah. And when I think of Barrio Bobo, I'm not. I I told him like ages ago that I wasn't personally a fan of the the smaller figures mm-hmm. like those vatos. But when you talk Keshi, mm-hmm. I really like those. Because again, I, I, I kind of link them to the Pokemon all the time, right? Yeah. I've been mentioning it a lot. But when I also think of Barrio Boba, I instantly think about painting. Because mm-hmm. there are not, not a lot of people in the scene that I consider great painters. Mm-hmm. Like, in my opinion, it's way easier to find someone that pigments res- uh, resin way better or achieves like a marbling effect, which is incredibly hard to do right yeah yeah but actually paints i think that some people have started to use um airbrushes or even paint brushes to actually paint details yeah instead of just masking stuff but freehanding stuff is really amazing and i've been kind of diving into the painting scene lately because i've been painting warhammer miniatures too oh dope yeah i even have my current project here it's a sergeant Oh, oh yeah, yeah, see. yeah. Well, like when you add the the skill of painting to the craft, it's also you can achieve mind blowing effects too. Yeah. At what point did you get to? This is I, I ask this of every toy artist because it's interesting to see how you get from being a kid and then um, going to school for graphic design and doing those things. How did you get to the point where? you wanted to make toys and then also tell me about the name oh yeah okay so how do i get to make toys um i think it has to do with the pandemic to be honest because mm-hmm. um in the beginning i spent a lot of a lot of time basically looking at my wall mm-hmm. like simply put just staring blankly at the wall and what should i do how do i behave or how, how to do stuff and from there i went to my phone as regular people would do and since i was ever since i can remember i was a geek like i like star wars i like pokemon i like video games um comic books for sure and i think since I've always been a collector of many things, like I always had a collection of books, mm-hmm. and then I had a collection of Lego, for example, and then I w- I went on to have um I don't know different sorts of figurines. You kind of wanna add up to that, so that was my path. I started looking for a different collection to start. I had like maybe at the beginning of the pandemic, I had probably seven um star wars action figures the three three quarter ones mm-hmm. but as i started looking into oh maybe i can improve my collection i started buying more and i think i started from boba fett which i didn't have and i think it was that mysterious mysterious character everyone loves and i was i started adding up and adding up and adding up and at some points i think i stumbled upon I think it was Sucklord, probably. Mm-hmm. But then immediately I also found Resinagem, which is another Brazilian maker. I don't know if you know him. Mm-mm. I don't. He's, he's bigger. Like He's probably the biggest toy maker in Brazil. Okay. His name is Thiago. And he's not from my city, but he's like... He, he's been doing it since, I think, 2000 and... 
15, I'd like to say. And when I stumbled upon his um, creations, knowing that someone that is not from either America or, or Canada or maybe Northern Me uh, Mexico can mm -hmm. do something like that. Well, I definitely can try. Yeah. And since I had so many figures at that point from my collection, I also grew the notion that maybe I can rip them apart yeah. and mold those pieces. Yeah. You know, I think at some points, every maker goes through the process of also identifying a seed from Toy Story mm -hmm. that you don't feel like um, there's a religious aspect to the figures where you don't have to 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 take them apart like see how each piece goes with the other mm -hmm. and from there once you um overcome that barrier getting pieces to mold and cast and and combine them and glue it becomes way easier so that's yeah. how i started like i had a bigger collection at that point and, and i started molding and casting and from then on i just had tons of influence and I've been reaching out and meeting new makers and, and people and actually making friends to be honest I know it sounds like super um cute and, and yeah stuff, but it's true <laughs> like it's a community it's yeah. really awesome to to geek over specific things you wouldn't do necessarily on your regular daily life right and and then I also add the the story of how I came up with the name because the name I go by is not so hard to come up with, right? Mm -hmm. But ever since I was a child, not a child, but I think a teenager, I had my own, how do you call it? My original character. His yeah. name was Joey back then and he was a bearded, like really big beards and bald guy. I just like to draw him. He was kind of a mix from Simpsons style meaning a little bit with maybe maybe family guy but like those toony eyes mm -hmm. and at some point I just bought I remember buying a roll of paper stickers and I just started drawing it on the stickers and and giving it to friends and gluing them around the city where I used to work or where I used to walk by the most and i also before the toy scene i was considering trying graffiti mm -hmm. and for that i just learned that i should have a tag yeah and i knew some friends that used to do graffiti they still do actually and i came up with uh, i spent probably one afternoon like two hours just doodling around and writing names and I knew I wanted to come up with something that has a P, starting with a P, because my name is Pedro. And at some point, the name Pocket just came by. And I also has have the story. Oh, oh wait, so name po Pocket comes by. And I start using it on stickers. Later on, when I start making toys, I remember that my mom, when I was little, used to say that I carry action figures on my pockets all the time. Because <laughs> I actually did. Like, it yeah. was my obsession. I, I used to go to... I remember going to weddings with my figures in my pocket. Wow. So, somehow, those all those stories and, and moments in my life kind of mix up. And I wanted 
to have like a brand because mm-hmm. I like drawing brands. Like this is what I do for my daily job. I I design brands. And for that, I wanted to give pockets a, a different feeling. So I added toy since I was making toys, obviously, but company like Co. Because I wanted it to sound a little bit more professional, but almost in a in a joking kind of way. Mm-hmm. But also look really nice because I'm a sucker for um how do you call it? Maybe remarkable logos. When I look at pockets at the start, I always remember of the original Strokes logo. Yeah. Are you familiar with it? Because it's a little a little circle with the names slanted. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make something that looked like it and it was impactful somehow but also simple and i sit down like for maybe a whole weekend and started drawing it and then i came up with the logo and from then on i made stickers and um caps and i want to make t-shirts too yeah what was that uh so you started first toy that you molding cast completely all the way through and were satisfied with because I made a lot of toys when I first started, not satisfied with. People yeah, bought, I can imagine. Yeah, people bought them. And I like, I always think about it, like, if I could get those toys back, I would mm-hmm. redo them. Because oh, wow. I just yeah. feel like, like, I feel uh, like I've grown so much in two years. I know how to paint differently. I know how to cast yeah. differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first one that I actually was satisfied with was probably one Ultraman Kaiju that I molded. It was a, a very simple mold, but the results I got with it were way better than the first one I had, which was the R2 figurine mm-hmm. and the Dreadalorian, which if you if you take yours, like right now, if you would take yours, you would see that maybe there's like a massive bubble in his butt like a massive bubble oh i need to go look at it. is there a reason mm, yeah because that was the pouring spot <laughs> and that mode that mode was like so chaotic and my like i was starting to get worried that i might ruin my desk because i i used to i still do actually but i am used to casting resin in my desk which is in my bedroom uh-huh and that mode was so faulty and and so poorly cut and and cast. Which I I think I ca- I I put the silicone on. It was like how do you call it in English? Um, a container that you can carry food. Tupperware. Tupperware. Yeah, we we also call them those. Yeah. But it was a Tupperware and it was rounded and it wasn't like anywhere near ideal for a yeah. mold. But I used it and it was horrible, just terrible. And I had to keep on pouring more resin to make to make sure it it was filled all the way. Mm-hmm. But even though I did, it didn't work because it was leaking all over and and yeah. sticking to my table. So how did but... you how did you eventually get? Because uh, if I remember correctly, there was seven, six of them. Dreadalorians. Yeah, you. There was enough. Yeah, I think it was seven. So, how did you make it work to where you got seven of them, dude? I was like <laughs> spending <laughs> so much time on each pour. Like yeah, so much time because because the resin I use, 
um the the epoxy one actually takes about on a hot summer day it takes about six to seven hours to cure mm -hmm. and that's a lot of time considering i i won't be sitting around pouring every half or or a full hour to to make sure it's filled all the way mm -hmm. but that's why so many of those have bubbles i think this one yeah i have one here that has a massive bubble in the bud you see <laughs> and i just i had a lot of try trial and error and i think i ended up with a lot of miscast parts mm -hmm. but i was just setting up on the the amount of uh, amount of which I had and tried to glue them and make it work. Some of those are, are painted, so that's why you can't notice. I think the one of the last ones I pulled, I spray painted it chrome mm -hmm. because the parts were so different among the among each other that I just didn't care, just sprayed it and it looked good. I think I think Brian has it, Brian from um Ties Alive. Yeah and yeah like the beginning was very hard to make sure everything worked yeah so as you are pouring and doing that because those sold well thank you <laughs> yeah and like i own one and i didn't even notice the the butt bubble but um but now that like you, you pour that first one what are the things that you're starting to do to help you get better? Like, what do you immediately start doing to help you get better at casting? Dude, to be completely honest, one thing I started doing that helps me a lot mm -hmm. is to draw like a schematic of how I want my mold to look or where I'm, where am I gluing the figure? Like, where should I pour the silicone from? How do I make um, air vents? Right, so when I when I sit down and actually draw the the modes, and even sometimes I I draw it one to one scale, mm -hmm. and that helps me a lot in order to plan stuff better. But I think it was City Bean Toys that once mentioned that when you have like simple pieces that you can um simply pour silicone into, remove the piece, and then fill it up again and cast it, it's way easier to do so. I think those are called sock modes, or mm -hmm. I think someone mentioned that mentioned that name. So whenever I can, I try to make those kind of modes because everything flows better. I know how my resin actually works. Thursday night, 7 p.m. YouTube Live. It's Toys Alive! Toys Alive! Toys Alive! There's way cool artist unboxing. No it counts under a thousand followers. What? Art out there for 30 bucks or less. Radical. Collector spotlight. Ooh, collectors. Current and upcoming shows and drops. Right. Giveaways. Right. Short chats with artists. News from the hood. 100% yes. indie all the time. That's, That's Toys, Toys Live. Toys Live. Thursday nights, 7 p.m. PST, YouTube Live. I also started using a different kind of resin, which yeah. is polyurethane. It's yeah. the white. It cures white, basically. And also uh, cures really faster. Yeah, like, uh, is it like the 10-minute one? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, I get so scared with the 10-minute one. Because I use, I use 327, so it gives me like two hours usually. So I can mix and figure out how mm -hmm. i can pour um but mold or it's smooth on 325 i think or 300 one of those 
that's the fun thing. We we don't have smooth on here in Brazil. Like I once used the poly, polyurethane from smooth on, uh-huh. but we don't actually receive it here. Oh, uh, what do you use? Oh, those are called in Portuguese. It's called Hedelise. Okay. So it's just a local maker, but it works. And yeah. apparently that's where most people buy those from. Okay. But I get so frustrated when I'm talking to other people about types of resin and how they can achieve certain effects or say marbling, for example, or yeah. chewing time. And they mention, oh, this is super easy. This is smooth on blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't have those. I can't import those. Yeah, there's a couple. You know, it's crazy. They have um, so uh, the the company that you mentioned that you buy locally. Does mm-hmm. it have a facility that you can walk into, and they yeah. have all different kinds? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that here too. That there's a smooth on um, in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. or uh, it's called something else. But you walk in, and there's hundreds of products, and so you're like. Trying to figure, yeah, you're trying to figure out what you need, what you want. Um, and I'm constantly finding new products that they have. Like mm-hmm. one of the ones I just found, um, I don't even know how to describe it. You can cast something and it comes out crystal clear, but then mm. it's really bendy. That's really useful. Yeah, it's, I'd love to have that. Yeah, it's kind of like Keshi, like it feels like that. Right. But it also, like, you can see right through it. So I, I don't know what it is. That's amazing. I've been thinking about, like, one of my failed projects actually was trying to make a hollow torso figure. I mm-hmm. think it was um, Aces High Eddie from Super 7. Yeah. And I did mode it quite okay. But the kind of resin I, I use, I wasn't able to pull it off. I haven't tried using the, the quick setting one. But if I use the harder one for the hollow torso and a benzy one for the limbs, yeah, that would be like perfect. Yeah, there's a couple companies I can send you some other companies that um has been toys. Yeah, he he uses um this like really flexible resin, it mm-hmm. cures like brownish, but mm-hmm. it's like um, you know, the Mexican vinyl ninja turtles. Yeah. It's like that, like really soft. That's so nice. Yeah. I haven't bought it yet because I'm too nervous. Like whenever there's a new one, I get way too nervous to use it. How I wanted to ask you, how is your mixing process? Like when you're prepping the resin? Because I get yeah. so nervous sometimes that I might run out of time when I'm using the quick setting one or, yeah. or I don't use like... Because the thing is, I think it's too common for us to eyeball stuff. I eyeball all my stuff from mm. kitchen to like measurements and stuff. And sometimes it, it fucks me up in resin, to be honest. <laughs> okay. So I never eyeball. Never. You don't? Never. Because See, some people actually use their brain, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I use, I have a scale um, mm-hmm. because I realized. I need to get one. When I first started, I what I would do is I would set cups up and I would try to like measure next to each other, like how I do that, yeah. Yeah. And so, but it would always be off. So like something would always be a little off. So I got a scale and um 
I don't, so I don't use the quick setting stuff now. Mm-hmm. Um, only because one, it hardens white and it makes mm-hmm. all my colors like, uh, uh, like Easter colors, like really, uh, like pale. Oh yeah, like pastel. No, yeah, like pastel. And so, um, I, I I try not to use those as much, but also, they get so hot so quickly. Yeah, that they destroy your molds way quicker. I I haven't been able to notice that so far. Yeah. So like for Easter, yeah, yeah, for smooth on when you mold, um, they can handle a lot of heat. But sometimes mm-hmm. when you try to do it, it like it screws up bad. And I've like I've torn molds. So uh, when I do it, I use um, I use one that takes two hours to cure. Mm-hmm. So then I'll like I'll pour, I'll mix, do whatever. And then I slowly am like tra- trying to take yeah, as much time. time. Um, yeah. But if it's it depends uh, if I'm molding something and the hole to pour in is like this big. Like I, I make Furbies now. Mm-hmm. And so the hole to pour in is like this big. You That's just dump. Huge, yeah. Yeah. And so I'll do, I'll dump whatever in there. I don't care. I'll just dump it as mm-hmm. fast as I can. Um, mm-hmm. But a couple of the other toys that I'm making, the hole is like a syringe. And so mm-hmm. I have to slowly like syringe it in. Dude, that's one thing I have to try. I have yeah. never tried to syringe insert resin into a mold. Yeah. Because I I get scared. I might like put too much pressure and stuff start leaking out and I run out of it. <laughs> you uh, As long as there's enough vents everywhere, mm-hmm. you'll it won't happen. Yeah, because I see a lot of people doing it and, and they also have methods of how to clean up syringes so you don't have to throw it away every time you use, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like really amazing. What was one thing? Oh, I just wanted to mention that when when I use the, the quick setting one, there was a time where when it was so hot that the, the curing time is about 10 minutes. So mm-hmm. you can demold it and then it cures all the way. But it was such a hot day that I think in, in like five minutes that I started pouring, the resin hardens while I was pouring. So I had like yeah. a pop art piece. It was a cup like overflowing with a little pinkish resin, which was the, the Easter colors you mentioned. Yeah. And they were going inside the mold and it was so beautiful. I even took a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've had that a couple times and it like makes this weird like solid in there and yeah. like yeah it moves around yeah know, gelatin for some reason yeah so you you you're molding and doing all this and now you're still eyeballing it and everything mm-hmm. uh do you how what are the ways that you think that your current stuff has improved past year beginnings mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you have gotten really good at I think that since I mentioned that I started making more sock modes instead mm-hmm. of um, two-part modes, I think I got better at knowing how and where to cut open my modes so I have very little mold lines. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I, I, I think that makes a lot of difference because in my first two-part modes, sometimes, even though I, I knew that I had to make how do you call it? Registration marks? Um, 
the stuff that makes the two parts align, like yeah. the pins and, and yeah, you're right. So when I used to do that, even though I made like a lot of registration marks, sometimes just because of like elastic band pressure or whatever pressure I used to to close the mode, mm -hmm. I would often end up with a slided half. Mm -hmm. So my mode light would be too apparent, like way too apparent. Sometimes I remember I. I tried molding a wizard I was sculpting. I still want to drop it, but it was a wizard like Gandalf. And when I tried to make the second half of a mold, somehow I ended up pushing my figure, like the original sculpt, deeper than I should. Mm. And my second part of the mold was also like warped. So it was like a really freaky um, inner part. Like it was just unacceptably war uh, warped yeah and that's the harder hardest part for me and that's when i started experimenting experimenting more with sock modes and when i noticed that i could make my own notes on how to open them and how to cut them open that became way easier because i ended up with like crispier yeah bits, for example yeah and that's the thing i i just get to avoid bubbles also yeah you know do you use a pressure pot and everything i don't oh, you don't okay so how do you get how do you avoid bubbles what's your what's your secret honestly to god my mom has a how do you call it it's something that she uses to clean up jewelry uh it's like does it shake yeah, it does. It vibrates. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know. That's it's what I... like on a plate, right? And it just goes back and forth. Yeah. It's a little pot. It, ha it, it even has a lid. Uh huh. But that's what I use when I'm mixing resin sometimes, especially epoxy, because I find that when I'm mixing it, it often adds up too many bubbles. Mm -hmm. But while I'm mixing, sometimes I would get that thing, that, that vibrating pot, and put my mixing cup inside and turn it on and mm -hmm. while i'm mixing it it is vibrating and then i leave it for a few seconds maybe because that resin takes longer to cure and usually that gets some of the bubbles out and when i'm pouring i try to get like a thin pouring i don't know how to say the thing i try to pour it thin yeah 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 so that's like what most people tell me or, or or told me. And besides that, like I think it's funny how each maker understands how our own modes work. Because mm -hmm. I know some of mine that if I put them in an inclination, like if I bend them over a little bit that way, that specific way, and then pour, I know I'll be able to avoid like at least more than half of the possible bubble spots I'll have. Yeah. So we all, I think we all have our cheats for our, yeah. our own stuff. I I have a couple molds that I don't know why they work. They mm -hmm. shouldn't work, but they work perfectly. And so I like. <laughs> Just magic. Yeah, I understand those. Uh, but then uh, there's people like DeMarc's Toys. Mm -hmm. He is so good at what he does. He, the one, when I had him on the podcast, he said, um, 
the way that he didn't get air bubbles was he just knew how air flowed. And I feel like I'm a pretty smart guy. Like I know how air flows. It's trying to escape, but right. I still get bubbles in everything. And so, and he didn't, so he just knew how to do it so well. When you start studying that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just like some people really dedicated, dedicate themselves to it. They become sort of scientists. Yeah. And that's the beauty, beauty of it. They're like people obsessing over stuff, which should be like a weird thing. But in the end, they just create like remarkable quality things. Yeah. You were talking about how you um, were just an intern when you first started. And now mm -hmm. you're doing this full time, right? You're doing graphic design full time. Yeah. So now that you're doing that and toys have kind of like you might not have as much time for toys. Mm -hmm. What are the things that you're trying to produce while you do have time? Dude, besides from painting, which is like also part of the hobby. Honestly, sometimes I consider making um, zines. Uh -huh. Like most people of the community think are into that and like graphic pieces for toy related stuff. Yeah. It's like, as I mentioned, I made my own brands and just, just out of like an exercise. But sometimes I also think of it's almost like a streetwear kind of brands. Mm -hmm. Cause like pocket cycle is just my hobby. Yeah. Right. So I've been able to, to, course like get some money out of it it's not my main source of income by any means mm -hmm. but like i has I, I haven't been losing money in each in yeah. it and i got i kind of got lost sorry <laughs> what no, that's the okay. um what was the question uh-oh oh what do i do when i have free time yeah like what are the toys that you're working on in your free Dude, time because right now, now I've been like haunted basically by the Doctor Doom figure. I'm trying to to make a run. Yeah, the Doom bots. The Doom bots, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I've been obsessing over Doctor Doom for the past few months because he's such an iconic figure and and he looks mean, but he's also very kind sometimes in the storylines I read. Mm -hmm. And I also love green themes characters such as. Of course, Boba Fett or Doctor Doom. I also like the Hulk sometimes, and I've been obsessing on doing it. And I have cast all the parts I need for like ten of those. Yeah. But what's making me saw a little bit is that I have to drill them, mm. which shouldn't be the hardest part. But I think I was obsessing too much on getting nice drill holes to put the magnets in for the arms and the the heads yeah that i've been taking a longer time than i should yeah and that's when i try to remember that it doesn't have to be perfect it has to be fun but i've been looking at it and i kind of want to give it my best so yeah. it's taking a little longer time but that's the project i'm working on and the other thing just just to wrap it up is that it, it also requires that I cut some cloth for the tunic and the cape. Mm. 
And I also have to wrap it around his torso and, and tie a knot on his mm. belt area with like just some um a little rope. Yeah. And that's like a, a manual kind of work I have to do that sometimes it demands like a little pinch patience that sometimes I'm lacking. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the project I'm trying to get ready. Yeah, and you're talking about how you paint Warhammer, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know anything about Warhammer. Right. I use Citadel paints and I use mm -hmm. um, Army Painter. So nice. I, I do know those paints. Um, and all I know is, if I remember correctly, there's an orc race. Yeah, in Warhammer, yeah. Yeah, and everything, if if something is painted red, they believe that it works better. Like their whole thing as orcs is that if they believe something, it's true. I don't remember because to be honest, I'm, I've been just painting it. Yeah, I want to play, but I haven't. It's so expensive because you have to get so many it of them. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Seriously. But the red thing is, I don't know about you, but red paint is something that I ex actively try to avoid. Mm. I've always been so drawn into it, but like my favorite color is not even red. It's it's actually blue. Okay. But red's always been that thing that when you look at something bright red or or like a translucent bootleg figure for some reason, yeah, and it's bright red. It immediately catches your eye. Like you wanna touch it. Sometimes you wanna bite it. Mm -hmm. I wanna bite some toys. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. You can be honest with me. I know you would like to do that too. There's a couple toys I've gotten that I've just like, yeah. Just a quick bite. No one's looking. No one's looking. Yeah. <laughs> so with all of that, where are you headed? What's next? So you're working on Doombots. What's next for Pocket Toy Co? I want to get into like a little bit of medieval fantasy themes like Lord of the Rings, The Hobbits, because that's the wizard I was mentioning earlier. Yeah. That's a failed project that I want to get just right and, and drop those because like mystic colors and, and painting schemes will work just fine for me. Yeah. And after wrapping up the Doombots, I think I want to try going for like a Gandalf-like figure and maybe some Dark Lords I come, come up with. Try to yeah. run away a little from Star Wars. Dude. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait. I love when people run away from Star Wars. Yeah, because there's so many of it. Like, I love it. It's perfect. And I love everything I see. Yeah. But there's so many other toy lines around and inspiration you can gather to come up with something way different than you see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to work. Um, I've been posting about my own character. Mm -hmm. and so I've been trying to figure out how to do that. And... You're right. There's a lot of Star Wars out there, and it it's so big. Yeah, it's it's just guaranteed fun. Yeah, yeah, it's guaranteed good looking things too. Yeah. Hey, as we come to the end, uh, my one of my favorite parts about this whole thing, you get to plug everything about you as the artist, and how people can get in touch with you, where they can buy your toys from, all that kind of stuff. So. Please plug that. All right. So thanks for having me, of course. Yeah. It was a pleasure. 
I love talking toys, man. I love. And Any moment, just send me a message. We'll jump back on. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. And, well, my name is Pocket Psycho. I'm actually Pedro, but I go for go by Pocket Psycho. My Instagram is at pocket.toyco. Everything together. And people can buy me actually messaging me <laughs> directly. Yeah. We just have to see what I have in stock because since I don't have an online store yet, we'll just have to find out. Yeah. <laughs> so feel free to message me. I love talking to new people every day and I'm absolutely reachable through Instagram. So yeah, let's let's chat. Yeah, Pedro, thank you Get so to much. Know each other. Thank you so much, so much for thank coming you, on the man. podcast. Cassette. They were star-crossed oh, lovers in a western town. Oh, this western town so beautiful. Yeah, girl. Not as beautiful as me, though. Uh, okay. Suddenly call the police. There's a bad man around. I'm the bad man. <laughs> Evil one. What do we do? But he wanted to shoot them with the gun. Running down, underground. He was in a dive bar in the western town. It all seemed lost, and that's when, coming from the sky, huh? not a bird, not a plane. Well, kind of a bird, because he's a chicken. It was chicken burger disco. Western hero. That's right, guys. I'm here to help you out. Hey, bad guy. <laughs> yeah? Time to get punched in the face. <laughs> it's an epic adventure like never before. Thank you, chicken burger disco. Just doing my job, man. Available soon on Video Cassette. Chicken.